0: super casual i haven't like written down interview questions or anything i'll just be like just just go off if you got an axe to grind then grind oh. away
1: okay cool yeah. i mean i'm in quite a chill mood uh, this evening oh
0: and damn right oh,
1: yeah, well
0: well, well when jay was here he was he was he was you know ready to go off so you need to I capture listen. some of that energy so <laughs> listen come on
1: I listened to some of his episode this afternoon he was really angry like he started off angry that was the
0: stuff we could leave in you can (laughs) imagine what was came on the cutting room floor of that one it was uh yeah i don't want to get sued
1: I can't believe it. I mean, the guys like my I cuz the thing is I did I did not actually get through the whole thing that afternoon, but I I mean cuz the guys like my my best friend in the whole world. So just like I, I can imagine that the stuff is probably like there's legal issues probably with half the shit that he said. So.
0: Yeah, we had we had like a we basically recorded then did another hour of uh, just like going off about all the stuff we knew we couldn't say on a <laughs> on a hot mic. So um uh, you know there was a lot of uh, a lot of stuff about certain record labels that would uh. Uh, needs to stay on dead forever.
1: As I said yeah. earlier, I can guess what that was about. That's that's fine. He, he, I'm not on those contracts, so mm-hmm. frankly, Now that the record is done, I couldn't give a fuck okay, good. About, you know, about those guys anymore. Um, although it's like basically now an internal meme about how much we basically hate almost every record label that we've ever been on. Although I, I actually want to. I love my current record label, uh, mm-hmm. like Big for Apocalyptic Witchcraft. Fucking rad. Um, cool. Good. Really great guys, um um, <laughs> but yeah, that is basically like the crowhurst kind of i don't know what you want to call it like the lodestone of the band is just a complete mutual hatred for the music industry and everybody, and <laughs> pretty much yeah
0: i like you know. I really try and pay attention to what's going on in the metal world, and especially bands I like, and I only found out he released like free like a month ago, mm. this is the like. Prophecy or whoever, just really fucked up the p r on that one. Like, I mean, i got no press releases, didn't see it on Bandcamp. but i I just it came up in a spotify um Monday playlist thing
1: I mean it's like on album paid, he paid for billboards in the u s because he was so <laughs> great with the p r campaign. Uh, I like, heard that me he yeah. pay for a billboard for, for multiple billboards and
0: um. King uh, Alfie, celebrity who... endorsement by Bam Margera, friend of oh, the show. Bam Margera, yeah,
1: friend of the show. <laughs> Amazing. I mean, cameo. I mean, I must admit, like I say to Jay, like cameo. He, he uses cameo like I don't know, like other people use Tinder. <laughs> like, you know the you know the app that he uses to get these people is cameo. I've
0: I've heard yeah. of that. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I never want I never like decide to go on there because I'll I'll just like pester Lou Ferrino all day. This, but
1: dang um... I I can't install it because. If I ever get any access to any cash, I would just suddenly just drop. You know, I'd do what Jay does and just decide to <laughs> get like fucking St- Scott Steiner at two o'clock in the morning. To, you know, and stuff, but that's the thing. He did the he did Steiner for for Crowhurst three, which I thought was amazing, and then to get Bam Margera uh, for uh, his <laughs> for the new Executioner's Mask record. I mean, but where can he go from there? I, I don't know. Like
0: well, obviously, Bam Margera's uncle, like yeah. that that guy, and just like, convince. <laughs> Do uh, pull a uh, dad.
1: dad is dead now, so it uh, is. Oh, god,
0: was... okay. Oh, sorry, uh, RIP to Uncle was it Phil? Think oh, he... No, that was Fresh Prince,
1: yeah. Uncle uh... Phil, that's the Fresh Prince.
0: okay. <laughs> yeah, it was an uncle, what? but uh, you oh, know, uh. yeah, so uh, yeah, RIP. Well, rest in peace. Um, damn.
1: Um, uncle. but anyway yes yeah, so really even though it's funny i need i actually need people to f- sort of help me with an intervention for, for jay on cameo at some <laughs> point because <laughs> he's threatening to get gilbert gottfried next time and i know oh
0: that would be so good Come, uh, you, you gotta like half the intervention after he does that when he releases four after, okay
1: as long he- as he just goes for, like aladdin parrot like no oh, <laughs> yeah just makes really parrot punts instead of like whatever jay tells him to do yeah he doesn't talk um, about a
0: record all. he just he just acts out as
1: iago yeah but exactly and, uh, exactly like like completely apropos of nothing i think that would work but i I mean i've I thought about like who who i would get to do a uh, kind of one um but i don't know everyone who i can think of it would either not do it or is dead so, mm. <laughs> like i don't know if anyone wants to like you can't, know anyone listen that
0: uh, Lenin, Stalin—they're all—all the cool guys are dead. Sucks.
1: I mean, you see, six nine eight- is a
0: snitch. <laughs> man, can't get him. Damn.
1: See, as, as an ancom, I don't know if I could <laughs> if I could have Papa Stalin. or <laughs> 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 Okay, K- Kropotkin. So, yeah, 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 yeah,
0: yeah. K- that, that, Kropotkin. Get get the big big old beard on this. There was but, uh, yeah. He, he's dead too. Yeah. Man, all I mean, all my problematic faves are dead now, or snitching like <laughs> six nine.
1: It's true. Six nine six nine though, he's he's um he's hasn't he declined witness protection or something? Like, I mean,
0: he does have multiple face tattoos. There's only so much witness protection can do to a guy like that. It's I like, guess you, you see a five foot tall guy with his own name tattooed on his face, uh then you know it's gonna be him. It's not gonna be I mean, the other me, guy who's got a t- six nine tattoo.
1: You take you take hear me out, do you take the technology from John Wu's face off? Right. And you get the bravest man in Hollywood to do it. Who is the bravest man in Hollywood, (laughs) do you think? I mean, like...
0: Tom Cruise has the build for it. He's a pretty
1: sure guy. He also has fucked up teeth as well, because Tom Cruise has a tooth in the middle of his face. Um, Scientology will do that to you. uh, You're aware of, because once you see it, you'll never unsee it. Like, he has a tooth completely symmetrically like in the centre of his face. Like, his front tooth is in the centre.
0: Whoa. I've never... Uh, I it, it, did not know
1: I that. Mean, I, I, seriously, I encourage you somehow to look...
0: Try and, and push <laughs> my
1: Tom Cruise yeah. Is this
0: going to, like, fuck up it the Jack will, Reacher films for me?
1: Well, yeah, well, no, you'll just start believing it. Also, if, once you see that, that's, that was my gateway, you see, to, to just You're all right. drugs, all sorts of things. Like, as soon as I saw Tom Cruise's tooth, my third eye opened, like, I'd just listened to three Tool albums.
0: Wow. Yeah, there's there's even a, a Sun article about it, about how Tom Cruise's... Uh, Quote unquote mono tooth positioned in the exact center of his face has long wow. been a famous quirk.
1: <laughs> wow. A famous quirk. That's a really interesting way of putting it. Like, not that I want to praise the sun's journalistic capabilities, but an interesting quirk is really like, Did were you ever aware that Kyna uh, um, was in the sport once? We got reviewed in the sport. Oh, nice. The, the Sunday sport, the one with all the tech. <laughs>
0: Running with the tits, yeah, yeah uh, To our American but, listener, it's a newspaper, but with tits.
1: Yes, yeah. For for the benefit of our listeners, it's it's not even a newspaper, is it? It's more like Viz. It's more like a, a satirical yeah, I, I, It's newspaper.
0: More like, uh, more like um, <laughs> well, the Weekly National World, Enquirer for, yes, for American yeah, yeah,
1: listeners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Weekly World News on the National Enquirer, but like kind of subtly. Subtly anarchic in some ways, but also just disgustingly mm-hmm. depraved and pornographic. And somehow, mm-hmm. uh, we didn't know they had a music section. <laughs>
0: <He> <laughs> I didn't music section. I've never picked it up since I was like eight years old and looking for <laughs> I, mean,
1: I mean, as soon as like you know, as soon as you get access to actual pornography, the sport becomes irrelevant to you. So, mm. hence why well, we didn't know they had a music section. And this was when uh, Lawrence uh, Taylor was in the band um, as the vocalist, and he was fucking <laughs> horrified. He was so horrified um like he he was like th- like heaving like um like d and it's always sunny about it he was oh, <laughs> oh my god my mum. oh god oh god i'm making him sound like such a dick it was it was just very funny He was just freaking yeah. out parents were going to see him in the sport and and disapprove of him whereas i thought it was the greatest thing of all time yes. not as a sexist but simply as a lover of insane content <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, that's good i mean did they like the record uh, which record was it
1: you was i'm sorry <laughs>
0: Which, which of the records was it?
1: Uh, this was for uh, Christ Clad in White Phosphorus. Shit, wow. Yeah, it was a fucking <laughs> a deep good... End. It was like a five-star review. Yeah, it was well, like, yeah, I mean, it a
0: damn good album. Even is, the Sunday Sport could
1: They obviously got an actual critic to work on their their music release it was like i don't mean just because you gave me a good review but you know the the reference points were correct you know it didn't refer to it as like norwegian death metal or and you know like (laughs) that all kind of touchstones with that i've had worse reviews than metal hammer (laughs) 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 shit anyway i I digress
0: (laughs) no (laughs) No, no, that's a good uh, there's a kind of digression i like
1: we didn't really start off with anything so is that a digression We do
0: not you can't digress when you're not actually on any sort of path ever. Um, True, that's just, the uh, that's the just, beauty of um, having like a kind of singular contempt for my listeners where <laughs> we don't provide them really any content at all. Uh, just, just it's all fluff, it's just it, you know, this, anything. Like, you it, talk about a dream you had last night, if you like, it's it's all good.
1: Oh, see, the the only thing that I think is more tedious about than hearing about other people's sex love is about their dreams. Like, I'm quite famous for, like, taking the piss out of people who make those kind of fake dream posts on Facebook to make themselves seem interesting. (laughs) Like, I don't know, I know a couple of people who... We a little bit guilty, of being like, <laughs> "I'm so fucking wacky, right?" Last night I had a dream that Nigel M- Nigel Mansell was like sucking me off, yeah, and then like you know I was in the moon and shit. <laughs> I'm so fucking crazy. Um, I don't dream because I'm on too many drugs. Oh, oh god, that edgy sentence. <laughs> that's just literally the truth, unfortunately. <laughs> oh,
0: yeah, it can happen. No, no, I I, yeah. know when, uh... I
1: don't really dream. Um, so <laughs> just, um but uh, yeah, and like I said, I was li- I uh, said before we maybe before we went on an era, i'm not sure i was uh, looking after looking after the baby all day so this is apart from my wife coming in about an hour ago this is my first adult conversation of the day <laughs> so hence <laughs> God, why i'm sorry Oh well, no uh, i'm just apologizing really if i sound unhinged <laughs>
0: that, totally fine i i know exactly what it's like to be around a child all day and how um damaged that makes you and how you end up wanting to talk about Paw Patrol with someone. Just to-
1: <laughs> see, she is at this age where she still lets us just kind of put on whatever we want because she's she's just coming up to ten months, and um, but she's she's really into some esoteric shit. She likes like really like Button Moon from the eighties. She really likes wow. that. I
0: really uh, Button Moon.
1: She really likes. Um, you know, granted, we haven't exposed her to some of the shit that my nieces and nephews are into, but I don't know. I'm hoping that, like, I'm not going to be like the rockabilly dad, but you know, yeah, yeah. like,
0: you are uh, not Nazis, so no,
1: no, no, it's true, <laughs> it's true. I think you, I think you at least have to have a skeptical view of the Holocaust, to so will fully hmm, appreciate yeah. the rockabilly culture, but. <laughs> um But yeah, like I hope we're we're imbuing it with with certain values at least. Like you know, it's better to watch the like things that have a theme tune by Kate Bush and Peter Gabriel than Paul Bush. <laughs> <laughs> Which I was a I was X years old when I found out that they did the fucking theme tune for Button Moon.
0: What? Okay, I am now years old. Wait, right. yeah, I having a
1: passionate affair.
0: <laughs>
1: right, I'm just
0: finding out amazing stuff now. What? What? Okay, um, American Listeners, Moon was a poorly animated show that lasted about five minutes. It was on in like the early 80s. Early
1: 80s, barely animated. I mean, it's, it's mostly household objects. I mean, you couldn't make it now because a lot of the characters are made, literally made out of bottles of bleach. <laughs> like, you couldn't make that for a child now.
0: Yep, political correctness gone mad. It, and, you, um,
1: it's like, as, I mean, you don't want them swallowing are you? fucking cucks yeah,
0: that's that's what made me as strong as i am today i'm <laughs> right? incredibly strong but, um do you ever remember um uh the show trapdoor i oh, think it's come yeah. up on this yeah oh. good okay i wasn't just hallucinating that there was a show <laughs> there was like this kind of samuel beckett doing lovecraft thing on it yeah like, four in slime the morning in the eighties. Dir-
1: yeah, slime molds directed by belto Brecht is very much like this to Ripley, my my daughter and and my wife the other day, and they did not get it. They, no, I, I think is...
0: it was like this horrible fever dream from that like point in your life where like everything just gets is just like a, a memory layered upon another memory layered on something that could be a dream. And a big part of mine is trapdoor, and just remembering there's like a guy in a gothic castle being told mm. what to do by a disembodied voice and that and his only friend yeah. is a skull and a spider and beneath yes. him it's like crawling lovecraftian horror realm
1: absolutely i think the, the eerie thing about these shows is because they follow the exact same format like they layer in your brain now as an adult as one entity like i know exactly what you mean because I, I i once when i had uh I was about 11 years old and I had a had a fever, like about a hundred and something degree fever. And um, basically I had this 14 hour hallucination of just Carr's eyes from the Jungle Book, you know, when he's doing hypnotism. Oh, only no. it was being on a cinema screen uh, by a guy with like a sort of hand cranked cinema thing. <laughs> and see that, me, is my sole memory of the fucking Jungle Book. <laughs> <laughs> so like, you know, and you get these things like trapdoor, it's like, you'll like you like I said because they're so static and so repetitive that they just layer on top of each other in this horrible sticky kind of like like you say like a disease memory (laughs) yeah (laughs) like this sort of horrible like visual scab like there's Mm. just green blobs floating about and stuff I suppose it's the opposite of like nowadays where a lot of kids programming is all the lines are so clean Mm. uh yeah, you know, the animation is... Like, I mean, even if you look at the difference between, like, The Simpsons in the early 90s and now, like, everything's so digitized and clean and everything, there's no rough.
0: Yeah, I, I can't watch New Simpsons. It's just, it's too clean. I, I like the, like, old Tracy Ullman show mm. where they've got, like, two animations uh, per yeah. minute. And
1: what does just... matter? Never mind.
0: <laughs> that one, yeah. let that go get some frosty yeah. chocolate milkshakes. That one, yeah
1: yeah that that one's it's classic simpsons i um, find that one quite horrifying
0: <laughs> but uh, um, yeah, new ones are terrible but oh, um what was i gonna say oh yeah music
1: mm, so yeah how
0: do you how do you get into music then
1: into music as a, is it a, as a concept or in yeah music?
0: Uh, in the abstract like
1: in the abstract um, were,
0: okay uh, let's let's tie this into um trapdoor like what are your first like musical memories because mine was the top gun soundtrack and nothing else oh
1: fucking playing with the boys yeah, <laughs> oh, it, it, yeah it,
0: it woke things up in me but um
1: that's on the reg that is a, a yeah. reg. I don't even like top gun the movie i hate it but <laughs> no,
0: it's terrible actually it's really not held up well
1: no because it's, um, it's all the bad bits of a gay porno without any of the payoff yes, <laughs> i know right um, but I, I sent you this is the thing, I, I basically sent you my first musical memory today oh, nice. as, the, as one of the tracks that we're going to play, it probably makes sense to play that first in a few minutes, like when you want to sure. do that um, which is from Jeff Wayne's War of the Worlds, um, because that's both, it's, it's really like it's one of the things that people of a certain age will either roll their eyes and consider me really cheesy for being obsessed with the no. or get it and go, ha ha, yes one of the initiated because it's it, it it's the first thing that i ever remember as an album specifically uh when i was like five or six because i remember the specific packaging of the quadruple tape that it originally came out on uh, being interesting it's this tiny cardboard thing that my dad had um and i wore that fucking thing out um and i think that really like i guess what who's kept it so interesting for me is that it's a really great example of how to weave a narrative. Not, not obviously, there's a pre made narrative in the world, but the way in which the, the sonics are put together, it's the way that the story's told, the narration is irrelevant. Like, you, you don't need it. It's completely, it's, it's actually much better listened to in the abstract. Um, and for me, I guess, like, I've always been trying to capture. Like every track or every album, at least for me, needs to be telling a consistent story, um, and that needs to be told not lyrically. Like quite explicitly, I'm not interested in telling the story through the lyrics. Mm-hmm. Like lyrics are there to augment what's going on behind them, and uh, I guess like I feel it's the duty of music to put things in your head really quite concretely. You know, <laughs> like if I mm-hmm. if I'm not being assaulted by imagery um by words and by kind of, you know, this kind of the swirling transportation that music can do to you. If that's not happening to me, then your music sucks. <laughs> okay, cool. Okay.
0: Like, good. Very And more World of the worlds does this to you, yeah?
1: Yes. Abs absolutely. I mean, uh like the the piece that I I sent over this afternoon, there's this sort of it's it's quite a basic kind of set of crescendos. Um, that rise in and out of a kind of major, minor thing. It's, it's really, it's not, you know, a complicated piece of music or anything, but there's just this kind of, I think that there's also the, the instrumentation itself. Like, I love the kind of sound of those original analog synthesizers that they're using. Um, they're, there's something about the way that the layers of keys kind of wave in and out of each other, like the motes of kind of, dust and ash that are supposed to be in the air and everything and I don't know there's uh, something really haunting about it and sort of but also really stirring and everything and I really I don't know literally 30 years after I first heard that record it's still the first thing that comes to mind when somebody says what's your biggest influence (laughs) you know (laughs) and I can say Scott Walker as many times as I want (laughs) you know because like that's the thing I want to be like i i you know i love um you know my kind of real muso shit but i you know it it always comes back to this kind of dramatic proggy stuff (laughs) that i absolutely love like you know that led me kind of you know a little bit later on to stuff like king crimson which became really really important to me musically um like red is like a huge influence on the new album Mm um i think like the Biggest influence on it.
0: Oh, nice. I, like I've I've heard a new album once, and we're going to talk about the new album like lo- loads for next. Yeah, part. yeah,
1: absolutely. yeah. I, I
0: I need to I need to really sit down and listen to this one because it it has a hell of a lot going on, and it, it deserves more of a listen than I could have given it to it. Like, listen to it at work. But um, yeah, it was fucking amazing, and like an oh, equal to uh, Christ in uh, bathed in white phosphorus, which was a massive, brilliant album for me so um yeah we're gonna play probably one of the most left field things we've played on the show but um unfortunately you know jay did um beat you at playing left field shit because he the the thing he played it was um a spoken word uh, outside yes. art thing i have no idea what that is but um oh, yeah. world's you know, <laughs> pretty yeah pretty it's close second but uh, yeah, so yeah, here's Border Worlds. Uh, oh, sorry, what's the song name?
1: Oh, so this is just the first part of the track called The Red Weed, which again, ironically, weed is something that has just become a major influence <laughs> in my life as well. So it's,
0: yeah, awful. So, so now, real red shit. All right. And um, yeah, okay. So here's The Red Weed.
2: next day, the dawn was a brilliant, fiery red and I wandered through the weird and lurid landscape of another planet. For the vegetation which gives Mars its red appearance had taken root on Earth. As man had succumbed to the Martians, so our land now succumbed to the red weed. fronds choking the movement of the water and then it began to creep like a slimy red animal across the land covering field and ditch and tree and hedgerow with living scarlet feelers crawling crawling
1: sort of go back to you sort of the heart of your question i mean
3: oh my- hold on
0: hold on uh, i think we've got langdon online now
3: guess yes, who's him. the dumbest oh. boy in the world
1: hello know, hello
0: and seconds you hey how's it going yeah you must so be-
3: well, i probably. was listening to uh the new album by Hiromi Uehara. she's a, a jazz pianist and yeah. i forgot to log on to this call so, <laughs> well, so that's that was- a
1: big endorsement he- of that record so Link i was I'm mad like a and trance by piano yeah, yeah yeah link link me to that at the end if it was enough to distract you to, to that extent then i want i want to hit uh, that sounds really judgmental i mean that sincerely like <laughs> yeah she, she's <laughs> I mean, she's like,
3: honestly yeah. probably the best living pianist um my current roommate turned me on to her and i was totally unaware of her music but she's been active in jazz and classical space since the early 90s um and just put a record out on friday which i um, I knew that my roommate was a huge fan of so I waited until he was available so that we could both listen to it together and there's this big 22 minute medley on it called Rhapsody in Various Shades of Blue where the, the backbone is Rhapsody in blue but she interpolates any song with blue in the title that she likes so like Blue Train by John Coltrane uh, rap, uh, Blue Danube uh, Behind Blue Eyes by The Who just like No work.
0: Blue, babadiba, da, da.
1: Obviously, yes. A bit of Eiffel 65 gets <laughs> yeah, in there. My, my brother used to think that was um, the lyrics to that were "I'm so blue that I could beat up a guy," and he was like, "This song's really aggressive." <laughs> 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 I remember that really vividly, like him being really confused by this. Um, anyway, sorry.
3: <laughs> oh, <laughs> no problem. So I'm gonna uh, apologize for being absent for the past 30 minutes by saying uh, two things. One. Uh, I'm absolutely head over heels and have been head over heels in love with your record uh, Christ Clad in White Phosphorus for since it came out. Um I named a chapter of a book that I've had published after that. Oh with shit. The va- yes. <laughs> I, I, I do that with a lot of music that I like with the vain hope that if someone reads mm-hmm. something, they'll be like, that's a good phrase, and they'll Google it and be like, oh. And um, but yeah, just immensely powerful record. That, love it. That,
1: and Oh, that's incredibly flattering. Thank um, you so much.
3: And really goddamn love your new record mm. thank you yeah really goddamn I, I, love
1: it I, I luckily least... you, you came we... in at
0: like just the right time because we've we've like discussed well we discussed uh children's tv shows in the 80s for the most first part for about 20 minutes and, yeah then also uh the war of the world soundtrack which I, i'm assuming you've you've listened to that being a kind of a prog
3: nerd the, the the jeff lynn one yeah 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 that um okay. absolutely absolutely love that
0: yeah, yeah. so that the, but now we're going to talk about the new album perfect. Uh, yeah, it's fucking immense, and brilliant and um yeah, it's uh so, yeah, Andy, what what how can you like start summing this thing up because I, I mean it it does have like themes, it's not just a bunch of unconnected tracks, there's no, like a,
1: absolutely I'm I'm hoping that 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 is you know is apparent <laughs>
0: it it is, yeah.
1: Um, quite significantly more than Christ Club, which some people thought was the concept album in itself whereas I mean this record is is I mean first of all thank you so much for your feedback i mean i I haven't had anything apart from the label yet so <laughs> you guys pretty and, and my you know my kind of close friends who will you know lie to my face about some of my really terrible shits
3: <laughs>
1: like I'm
3: working hard. on a review so just just wait.
1: <laughs> oh, okay, great. Well, um, it's it's really encouraging. Look, be, seriously, beyond blowing smoke up my it's really encouraging to hear that you dig it because I genuinely heard it. No one's heard it, so um, you know I'm fucking nervous about it because it's weird. It's it's even weirder than the last one, <laughs> which was weird. Um, you know, very weird and alienated a lot of people. But I think the, the the only way to sum up the album is to kind of explain like where it came from because. It it started being formed when I wasn't doing music anymore. You know, I was kind of... Well, or I wasn't doing my own music. Um, really, it started when I was on the plane back from uh, recording Crowhurst 3, uh, which is something we discussed early on uh, in the podcast, um, just generally, the album. Um, but I, I flew over for that and uh, was kind of... <laughs> the most kind of spiritually exhausting, physically exhausting experience of my entire life, really. Um, combined with the fact that my my I was getting married two weeks after I got back, uh, and my then yeah, you know, fiance was pregnant at the time at the time that I was going to uh, go record this insane uh thing at God City Studios with Kurt Baloo. So there's a tremendous amount of pressure. Um and weirdly enough, when I was kind of on the plane back, uh, instead of never wanting to do any music again, which is what I thought would happen, I started writing this record in my head. Oh, are you still there? Oh, yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, sorry, oh, sorry yeah. the line is so good and so quiet. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm well, sorry. Skype I is it? Out too many of those. I assume you're still there. Yeah,
3: um, we have uh, we have quality microphones now, which we did not always have, and so as yeah. a result, it actually like uh, it. EQs us out if we're not talking.
1: I see. That's great. <laughs> not used to it, you see. So, so yeah, I'm I'm on the I'm on the, the red eye uh, back from uh, I was flying back from uh, Philadelphia, um, and you know I've been awake for a couple weeks uh, making this record with Jay and Kurt Ballou at his place, and you know I guess. It was a kind of, what the fuck do I do now situation? Where, where do you go after you've kind of... Like for me, I'm, I'm a completely self-taught musician. Um, I've only got anywhere by literally sending CDRs to people in the post. That's how I got a start, you know. I uh, taught myself how to play everything, put everything together, send CDRs in the post. I pretty much work exactly the same way as I did in 2004, 2005. Now, I, I pretty much work exactly the same. You know, I, I work in my house. Um, I don't have anyone (laughs) kind of breathing down my neck, I can write whenever I want, um, whereas that was, you know, such a polar opposite situation that it completely, completely threw me out of whack, Um, but at that point I hadn't even thought about making any more music as kind of for a year and a half. So it was kind of. I'm of the opinion that you never really get anything truly positive without going through a tremendous amount of suffering. Um, I don't know whether I'm like a Cathar or or something. I don't know. I don't know if the terminology is there because I believe so much other weird shit. (laughs) I can't really tie it all together. And again, we'll talk about some of the themes on the album, some of the weird shit that I believe. But. You know, I I think that pain is necessary, especially to to creation. It's it's utterly necessary. So whatever fucking horror. <laughs> is that, I mean, I, I I I don't want Jay to listen to this and think I had a bad time or anything. He knows he knows that I I, I basically had post traumatic stress disorder for six months after making Crowhurst Three. Um, like I had night terrors. Uh, like constant sweating and you know, it was it was pretty bad. Um, like nothing that anyone did, just the, the situation itself. I mean, we had someone threaten to come and kill me while I was there, which was cool. Uh, what? Yeah, some guy who hates Jay um saw that we were near him and said like he sent me a message saying that Jay can't have his record if I come and shoot you <laughs> I'm nearby. Wow. So well, Jesus nothing- Christ, okay. <laughs> There was shit like that going on as well, so <laughs> that was kind of intense. Um, yeah, I'd be,
3: I'd, I'd, I'd feel a bit of trauma from someone yeah. having like a legit, like I'm gonna kill you with a gun, yeah. freak yeah, yeah. out.
1: And mm. this is a guy that we, we, are aware of who this person was. It wasn't like a kind of rando. Well, he was a rando, but you know, <laughs> sort of tier two rando. <laughs> you know. Um, so anyway, you know, when I got back, I, I got married the next week. And then we had our baby, so, and in that intervening period, I made most of this record. So, if it sounds like I'm completely fucking frantic, and you know, <laughs> I for me, gentleness feels like just a race towards the end. It's just, it's just panic. For me, it sounds a lot like panic, um, like. I'm used to doing kind of like big long epic middle tracks, big epic last tracks. Like, that's kind of like something that's been a trademark. And like, my brother, who used to play bass for me, he always takes the piss out of me by saying, like, I have to do like a big 80s movie last track, you know, (laughs) to play the credits over and stuff. And that's always been the case normally. But like, gentleness kind of speeds up and gets more intense and uglier as it continues. Hmm. And I finished it like about. trying to think about four or five weeks after our daughter was born. So it's been, it's been done for a while. Um, it's just been kind of in the can waiting to get pressed. you know, what pressing keys are like, I don't know, nowadays are very, very long. (laughs) So, you know, it's only just come back from the can, but I finished it, uh, sort of, you know, winter this year. And, uh, i think you can just you can hear it's the sound of somebody who's too fucking there's a track called my mind is completely disintegrating i mean mm. that, that <laughs> just... about, as, about as you know kind of on the fucking nose as it gets i think but also yeah. you know I, I tried to put other things in there that that weren't necessarily all about my own per- or at least not necessarily on one level about just my personal sort of self-destruction and and everything, you know, there's, they're, they're metaphors.
3: And <laughs> yeah, so we, we, we tend to look, um, to music for, for one of three things. I mean, there, there's, there's stuff outside of this, but this encapsulates like 99%. There's mm-hmm. the music. That's the music equivalent of escapist literature or escapist film. And it's nothing wrong with that every now and again. Like, do we think cannibal corpse is trying to send us a message? No. Do we think those riff slap? Hell yeah! Um, <laughs> likewise, most music about dancing isn't trying to tickle your brain or tickle your spirit. It's just mm-hmm. like it sounds good. It it moves you. It, it, it's fine. That's that's yeah. enough.
1: Um, yeah. I think uh, the- Andy
0: was listening to Robin before the.
1: Oh picture. yeah, Robin's so, yeah. great. Everyone, everyone. I mean, everyone, I, I mean I great feel, pop artist. I primarily listen to pop music and, and jazz. That that's kind of all <laughs> I enjoy. I, I I will confess I haven't. I haven't heard a metal record this year, apart from ones that I already own. So That's
3: actually that's super not uncommon. The more that really? I, like um Nate Garrett, who plays in Spirit Adrift and plays in uh Gate Creeper, um yeah. listens to a ton of like CCR He listens to it. he loves uh Natalie and Bruglia.
1: <laughs> wow, okay. Um uh body uh book. So yeah. sorry, go on no 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 no, I'm just just a big kind of I'm a big song nerd so mm -hmm. you know I love I hate that songwriting with a capital S but that is kind of my whole shit like that's you know I love I mean like ABBA and shit like you know oh yeah Mm -hmm. I think especially being on the spectrum anything that's so so intricately constructed out of these kind of like monolithic blocks of harmony like just does something to the bottom of my brain (laughs) it sends a humongous pleasure signal like, regardless we then, of if that's like a you know, death metal or, or the other, you know, it doesn't yeah. have to simply be pop music, but it tends to be pop music that goes straight for that medulla oblongata jugular kind of thing.
4: You know? we,
3: th- we then have this, the second component, which is music that seeks to say something. Um, this can be anywhere from enlightening to tedious. That's where we have like. Not to knock specific bands, but there's a current wave of like we're a leftist metal band and some of them are very, very good. And other ones are you've draped okay music with a message that I agree with and that I deeply agree with, but also it's like Yeah, but I get this better from these other people who also do the same thing. And there's there's well, uh yeah. I don't
1: to think be that fair there's a leftist metal band will be making music specifically about leftism. That's the thing I think that I've kind of I get turned off yeah. by some of the people that I know that you're talking about. Um, whereas yeah. I think that there's artful ways to do it. Like Dawn Raid are fucking great. Um and really yeah,
3: good- I, I agree. They they make tremendous music and also the lyric sheet's great, their um their liner notes and the people that they cite, the people they talk about in interviews are great. The, so yeah, there's good and bad ways to handle that kind but of thing. And there's good, lots like of bad <laughs>
1: some, some Yeah, of the-
0: come. they're coming up on the show next week. So uh
3: Ooh, hello.
1: stay tuned. Hello from the uh, past For uh, <laughs> music.
3: The, the the third space, though, is music that tends to um, evoke or express something. And it's not doing so in the sense of judgment or the sense of like a critical capacity. It's just I am going through or feeling this and I want to put this to tape. Mm-hmm. Um, we I bring that up because one, we have a lot of critical misreads of art that's of one type read by a critic who per Tom. Predominantly lives and experiences through one of the others, and so then we get these. And sometimes that can be fruitful, but other times we can get these really tedious uh, critical breakdowns of a piece where it's like you clearly missed what this piece seeks to do because you've overlaid what you want music to do or what you want art generally to do, and didn't find that. And it's like, well, yeah, that's it's not.
0: Ariana Grande is not saying anything about the world. That kind of thing.
3: yeah, and it's like. It's like, yeah, but she makes perfect pop songs right now. She's on a three-record streak where every track is great. So maybe like listen, different idiot. <laughs> I, think,
1: I think also like the way in which pop music resonates with people, I think, has to be you can't decontextualize pop music from from its popularity. I think as well. That's, that's yes, yeah. you know, go not to, because like I think that I definitely fall into that third category where. I, I guess I can, I see myself as like, I don't know, somebody once called, I, I don't know if it's a flattering comparison or not. Someone referred to me as the Daniel Johnston of black metal Worlds. <laughs> I don't
0: know if that's, I, I, I have a Daniel Johnston tattoo on my chest that I don't think that's particularly flattering to call someone. No, that
1: that, that's the thing I get, you know, I can, I, I find the comparison emotionally flattering, I guess, but not. Yeah. Not when I think about it for more than a second and a half, you know? But I mean, yeah, he's, at the he, same time, he's self-taught,
0: think, he's pretty influential, but, uh, you know, you wouldn't want to be the guy.
1: Precisely, and I, I I, feel like that really isn't as unfair a comparison as it seems. That's the thing, I feel like I come from the outsider tradition than any kind of band tradition or the conservative tradition of, of having learnt anything, <laughs> you know, having mm-hmm. to work for it. It's, it's all intuitive, um, which really frustrates some people but also means that I can work with non-musicians like Jay Um, and he doesn't mind me calling him a non-musician even though he makes the noise stuff I mean we've we have this conversation over bongs like every time we see each other you know (laughs) it's just I think that the way in which I've been able to intuit making my own music in my own idiosyncratic way means that I can collaborate with people who have that similar approach, but we're more a kind of loose collective of weirdos than <laughs> I mean it's a good it's a good thing to talk about uh Mac who's in uh Crowhurst as the uh live guitarist. Um they are it's a tremendous player and tremendously trained and I think see working with me like working with a toddler <laughs> Even, <laughs> Uh, he even and again this isn't to pull rank like we we're all on the same level even though but even though i'm the guy who wrote it he is basically teaching me how to play <laughs> you know? so that's the thing so i don't know i feel
3: yeah Sorry, i I, def- I definitely feel that your work falls more into that third category and that's one i tend to find music that lives in that space tends to be more consistently um evocative for me uh, it, it on a personal level obviously different people approach music in different ways but I like quite a bit how your music has this. We sometimes throw raw around to refer to like underproduced music, which, which Mm -hmm. is fair. That's a fair usage of it, but yours feels more emotionally raw and that you're not placing these levels of varnish or levels of thought that someone else might, that they may think it enhances their work. And perhaps for them it does, Mm -hmm. but it can also wind up distancing the the listener from the raw experiential root of well, there's what no, generated this music.
1: Yeah, there, there's no intermediary. When you're in your own producer, your own, you know, your own engineer, you can fall into some terribly self indulgent traps, which I have done over my career many many times. But at the same time, I think that there's maybe a certain authenticity. I I hate feeling like I'm praising my own work. This is the thing I, I have imposter syndrome to the max. So. You know, I really genuinely hate Praising my own way, but at least I, I, I do Feel that, that it's authentic that If nothing else
3: Well, that, That's why like, I, I was introduced to your work Under the lens of this is black metal And then I listened to it and I was like, yeah, but it's It's, it's not Really, it has black metal in it But it has Noise in it, it has industrial in it There is flecks of Various strains of, of prog In it, just mm-hmm. that awesome. float up and it's, that's the thing that I found much more interesting. The further, If anything, like your um, your first album or EP, the 30-minute the one that came out before Christ, Clad and White Phosphorus, um, that one feels much more directly connected to, say, like a, a black metal tradition with these other weirding elements. But as you've gone on, it feels much more like that intuitive, no, this sound goes here. And it's like it yeah. it doesn't matter what sounds were going on before. This sound goes here now. Yeah. Um or these sounds go together now. And it that's where it's like it, it feels reductive in a certain way to say that this is a black metal record. Um, especially coming from the types of people who I don't know, get there's there's a weird level of defensiveness both around keeping black metal pure and also the the same kind of boring like we have to defend anyone calling Deaf Heaven black metal. And it's like, yeah, but why do you think it's a knock to say that Deaf Heaven is things other than black metal? Like, that's not... They're making great records. That's the important part. Not whether they're a black metal band.
1: That's not... Exactly. Exactly. I think that using genre as a palette is so underrated and something that I don't... I know that I do, and I don't understand why more people don't. Because... I don't know, maybe, and I don't feel like this is anything to do with the era of the playlist or any or needing to kind of have lots of edited, you know, content thrust at me because I haven't got a fucking attention span. But really, like, I look at the albums that I fucking love from the you know the seventies and the eighties, like you know, like you said prog stuff, uh, bands like The Cure, like you know, and I, I sound like such an old fart, but the album format was never really designed showcase one fucking tone for an entire record. Even Demistrius Don doesn't sound the fucking same the whole way through, you know? It's got yeah. di- got fucking peaks and troughs. You know, like, and as much as I, I... The problem is that you try and communicate this to metal people, and they instantly call out your authenticity, and it's like, motherfucker, I've been listening to metal since I was six years old, and I'm faith. You know, genuinely obsessed since I was six, thanks to having a much older brother, Right. But the second you say, I want to use metal as a string in the bow, they're like, well, you fucking hate it, clearly you hate it. And it's like, no, I, the reason why I use it to express myself in these kind of, I use black metal like punctuation in my records, I think. Like, you know, it's, the focus isn't on the metal, it's on everything else that, you know, then builds to a kind of crescendo or goes from that kind of initial rush of blood, you know, that it's it's used punctuation wise, but to say that, you know, the, the way that the gatekeeping in this community works to be like, well, because you combine it with other stuff, that mean you know you've, you're cutting the pure stuff, man. You know, you don't love Coke if you're cutting it. <laughs> like, it's absurd. <laughs> so absurd, and it's so limiting. And it's the, why the I, thing I'm, the sorry, thing that I, I
3: quite like about um, uh, metal gatekeepers and this is that's a weird way to start this, <laughs> but you'll agree by the end, I imagine, is that they're incredibly easy to ignore. They oh, have way less power than they think they do. And sometimes I think we prop up in writing about them or discussing them how much power they actually have. Oh. And it's like, they can't stop me from buying certain records. They can't stop me from listening to certain records. And there are certain bands that they absolutely loathe that are selling a fuckload of tickets. Um, mm. And it's like, uh, you've self-marginalized yourself. So we, we, we can just That's ignore it. you
1: precisely that that's exactly <laughs> it they have self-marginalized to the point where they are like gargoyles on the side <laughs> of the entrance to you know literally get not a gatekeeper you are a gargoyle you are unable to move and influence anything you know including opinion um and but the problem is i don't want all metal to to be like a kind of glorious technicolor jamboree <laughs> yeah like some of my favorite fucking records are like Fallen Angel of Doom um you know some blistering like shit like bolt thrower kind of but at the same time there's still dynamics and there's still uh, there's still some level of storytelling in almost everything that I like and i guess what frustrates me is this idea that like i said if you you if you either if you introduce some kind of sonic storytelling which is something we talked about a little bit before you you, you came along um you know this idea that you know you let the instruments kind of say more than your lyrics, um, in order to convey what you want. Like I I try not to just put everything on the nose of my lyrics. Um I don't know, but to as I say, to say that that's somehow impure is absurd. I mean look at something like um uh fucking Abigail by King Diamond. I mean oh yeah. yeah. One of the most varied sounding rec- rock records of all time it's it's crazy how varied that is and, and spectacular i went to i actually saw the the live show of that a few years ago um
3: nice. so, so did i was just i ever since he had his heart attack i've been rabid about seeing king diamond literally whenever i can because i'm like i'm gonna cherish this man he is <laughs> the king <laughs>
1: absolutely Absolutely. Um I couldn't agree with you more. It's, it's important we need to preserve <laughs> preserve the king. Um but he seems like he's doing really good. That's the thing. Yeah, yeah his his
3: his health is like hella rebounded. He he doesn't talk about it a lot, but he like changed his diet
1: and has yeah. an
3: exercise regimen and stuff. So it's all the normal stuff you do when you when you get to that age if you're like I don't want to die at 60, so I'm going to, you know, <laughs>
1: Or if you're me, the stuff that you had to do at thirty.
3: <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm in. I'm in that same boat. Um,
0: yeah, it, it it is thirty when that stuff hits. You you think yeah. you're going to live like you're in twenties
3: forever, but no.
1: But do you not also feel that thirty is a kind of good one? It's kind of like for no. me, it's felt like a watershed, really. Oh, shit. No.
3: I'm liking it so far, personally, because yeah, it's, cause really. it's oh. like. I don't have to deal with, I, I have, I have friends who are still in their twenties cause I'm like very early in my thirties yeah, and so, uh, just the kind of shit that they will bring up that and I'm like, I I don't care. I don't care. I'm, I need to be a good like, friend. So I need to be present, but Holy shit, I don't care. Like Exactly. Like why don't you just stop making these kinds of mistakes? And they're like, why would you say that? And I'm like, well, because that's what yeah. would stop this
1: fucking right dude like half of my (laughs) problems are caused, like interpersonal problems are just caused by talking to people that they don't want to talk to in the first place
3: (laughs) right it's like you're not friends just stop talking (laughs) to each other and it's like but they might say mean things to me about about me behind my back and it's like and that's what children do so just stop
1: (laughs) i feel i must acknowledge my hypocrisy given the way that i talk about other bands on twitter (laughs) but that's different that's in that's the industry man right That's 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 you know that's, that's work to, technically. <laughs> <trying to down. laughs> yeah, it's
0: building a brand. You've got to you've got to produce content, build your brand, and go viral to make it today.
3: A really bizarre thing I've noticed in the metal world recently is that they seem to think that it's really tight to say that thrash metal is bad. And I think that's crazy dumb. Who says that? Yeah. Oh, people yeah. All, people all over Twitter are like, no, uh, thrash is weak. The drums are weak. The vocals are weak. Like, why would you listen to that one? And I'm like, what? What? In what world is do you not like do you like metal and not like Metallica? Like, in what fucking world is I that mean, like I Master some... Puppets? mm
1: I saw someone with a power trip profile picture saying that Ride the Lightning was fucking shit the other day. <laughs> so they should like,
3: be killed but violently. Never,
1: but, but I've never felt older in my life. Like, I felt like in, like, uh, Last Crusade, like, the fucking when he picks up the wrong chalice. <laughs> 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 he nothing. I couldn't even convey. I didn't say anything. Like, like, I can't. But, Ride the Lightning is
3: the greatest... Album ever?
1: Yeah, okay,
0: you know, maybe pushing it, but no, yeah. I,
1: it is the best. The best. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it is. That's it. <laughs> okay. What? Like? Oh no, I can't say that. That's the most condescending shit ever. Okay, like me, young. Oh, me, you can condescend to me. That's fine. <laughs> okay. When I was ten, I one hundred percent agree with you. But, <laughs> 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 but...
0: get him, Magnon. Kill him. Kick his <laughs> ass.
1: I still, I still own it on every format. And, you know, it's like one of my favorite albums. It's just, um, I think that it's cool now because, like, don't forget, we're, we're now not the cool generation. We're generation, oh, yeah. you know, Generation Z is the demographic that is being sold to. My records are being sold to that demographic. They're being mostly bought by my age, but they're trying to be pitched. Like, everyone in the industry wants to sell to people between 19 and 27. Uh, the problem is that, that I have is that I am a mentally ill, not particularly sexy looking, averagely built white man approaching middle <laughs> age who mostly writes <laughs> about his own pain. And sadly, I don't have the hypnotic forehead of Nick Cave. <laughs> so, you we know, wobble, wobble at people I'm, like hypnotoid. Like, that's how he does it you see <laughs> there's no music on those albums if you put them on there's nothing on there if you put them on without looking at a picture of it there's nothing there so that's
3: just... crazy that's, yeah, that's crazy because i love him so much but also <laughs> if i'm not seeing him
1: <laughs> right sing a song right now <laughs> 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 nick cave doesn't exist man <laughs> That's my theory.
3: warren um, ellis doesn't even hold an instrument on stage oh, shit, you hallucinate that too
1: we're an hour in, and I haven't even talked about ultra-terrestrials yet. Holy shit.
3: Because
1: um, <laughs> that's the oh, other...
0: Yeah, yeah, that's... that's well, Yeah, that was a good thing to bring up, because I want to go are... into UFOs now.
3: Ooh, uh, oh, it's pretty tight that we managed to evade the whole, like, central theme of the record so far. I that, no, well, I think...
0: Well, I don't know if... My reading of it that was, was mental health in the UK was the central theme. Well, uh, uh, and UFOs okay. were little we'll, we'll spice on that but um
3: well, to, well i let me let me counter respond it seemed to me at least that that was the the mental health thing was the textual theme but the experiential one um speaking as someone who's had had them a psychotic break or two over the years yep. uh quite literally um and they're terrifying um that yeah, yeah. that's the experiential core are these yep. things that's where exactly you know the experience is real but you don't know if it is materially real but it affects you as though it is materially real so what would be the point of in di- that whole basically i think we're both right we're just talking about two sides of the Chris, so I,
1: I think i yeah you're, you're absolutely. you're both absolutely right i think the central thesis of the album or like the the, the question at the heart of it for me um that i posed myself and kind of because i recorded a lot of the music before i did the, the lyrics which i, I often do because i i hate writing lyrics it's, it's so intense for me
3: that's that's the, the correct order by the way yeah for, from from where i'm standing
1: precisely no i agree <laughs> um, but really the question is very really simple am i mentally ill because i saw what i saw when i was 10 years old or did i see what i saw when i was 10 years old because i was mentally ill and then that escalated into the catastrophe that has been my entire <laughs> life. Because basically, the, 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 I can pinpoint a moment at which I felt like the, the, the axis of my life turned. And that was seeing, uh, you know, in, in, you want to hear my story? <laughs> <Yeah>. Oh <laughs>
0: uh, No, I don't want to hear the story about the <laughs> okay. No, that would explain the English, yeah. entire story. I, I don't yeah. want to hear that. That would be uninterested to me.
3: We both are We both are really into the occult. We both love the invisibles. We both have had our own experiences. And you yeah. know what? We're just not interested.
1: No, no, no. Go go, not to done that. that. Yeah, like, like,
0: I've already reached run to Area 51 by now. I'm fine. I, I go. Absolutely go off.
1: So it's the most English situation possible. I'm actually nine years old. I said 10. I'm nine years old. It's 1995. Um, it's, it's July, uh, around by my birthday. I can't remember exactly when. Um, and I was playing cricket. Uh, so this is broad daylight. This is during the afternoon, about two PM. Um, I'm playing cricket. So with like 25 people. <laughs> um, I am at. I uh, briefly attended a private boarding school when I was. We were having some family uh, stuff going. On. Um, and I was I was out in the field with a bunch of guys, really bored, not really paying much attention. And out of a completely clear blue sky, just suddenly completely. <laughs> You know, materializing isn't like I dream of genius. That's it's that slow but fast fade in of something in coming into reality. You know, that's objectively not there, objectively there, but there's a kind of softening around the edges. You know, that's that's how it felt. And this thing is, I'm gonna say, it's probably about a thousand feet in the air. So, kind of like a plane, kind of thinking about landing and we're kind of near um, both heathrow and gatwick airport where i was um which is cross in the uk um just where i was going to school for those few months and this thing is probably about four times the size of a 747 at that if i'm right about the distance maybe maybe three times and it's like a it's like a dull bullet like kind of no sharp edges whatsoever, kind of fuzzy at the edges. But there's no there's no fins, there's no wings, there's nothing. And it's it's tumbling. And again, I think I used the word exactly in the song Contact you Cult, which is the song that's exactly about this incident. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of it's doing a sort of like a bad puppet. Tumbling. Kind of like Somebody's working the controls on an antenna that they're on. You know, they're unused to the uh, the remote control, or you know, and it sort of flops really horribly. This this is the thing. every memory that I have about this. Every in, in image, the, the, one of the things that fascinates me the most about this is, and what I talk to my therapist about quite a lot um, in the last few years, is that every frame of my memory about it feels evil and wrong like it feels sick and like Mm. like like i say it feels like something forbidden is happening but i'm completely rooted to the spot and i've got almost no idea how long i'm looking at it it's going to be maybe maximum 40 seconds 45 seconds but not like a blink of an eye you know, it's just under a minute, and it disappears with ah, disappears below a tree line, and it's like I don't know. I don't remember if you remember the sensation of your testicles descending. <laughs> <I
0: don't laughs> not, but uh...
1: but it was it, I I vaguely do, it was, <laughs> and it's like that in my brain, mm. and after that was when i started experiencing well first of all that was when i i almost instantly stopped believing in god um i was a choir boy i used to sing in cathedrals i had the medals and stuff um hmm. where Same. like my where my oh cool um <laughs> where, where did you think did you ever sing in like chichester cathedral or anything like that that's
0: where no, i just just like in the southwest In uh, i grew up in a town with a big abbey so i used to sing where where about uh, Sherbourne in Dorset.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've been to Sherborne Abbey. I don't, haven't sung that, but we moved in the same ecclesiastical circle. So oh, was nice. Big-ass big yeah. big ass Christian, Um, hugely into choral music. Um, you know. I was it. a
3: Pentecostal, so you are talking mm-hmm. to good company.
1: <laughs> well, see, you're the da-
3: ones who dance with snakes and drink poison. Oh, fucking amazing. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> my- for some <laughs> reason, if you're Christian enough, you just don't die when you're poisoned.
1: <laughs> or at least... <laughs> Which, until- <laughs> turns out
3: actually isn't true actually you do die
1: <laughs> who to thank it it's um, crazy anyway, isn't it <laughs> but my my dad he's he's now uh, he's nearly 70 now so he's retired but um he was a church organist for 40 years so this was the kind of you know uh, i think a lot of the music stuff in my blood uh, comes out of that because it's very musical family and everything but yeah i, I instantly basically instantly stopped believing in god it just just like a penny just dropped like hmm. if you're you know, uh, familiar with philip k Dick's valis you know the oh yeah
0: yeah, yeah that's <laughs> come up on the show a lot
1: this is this when i read that book i i was in tears a lot of the time because that book and john keel's uh the eighth tower are basically like <sighs> feel like premonitions written about things that i've experienced and, and the kind of some of the psychotic states that i've been in some of the fugues that you know almost directly mirror the experience that dick talks about and again he asked the questions you know like is it a brain tumor or has something given me a brain tumor <laughs> you know
3: yeah that. we've you're also speaking to two people who have have owned i still currently own but gareth sold his copy of uh the exegesis the edited one oh, that came oh, out just just to context
1: for yeah. anybody's not you know just doing the radio thing <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> no
3: no thing. I I, I was saying also more just citing the text so if you at home want to know the crazy ass <laughs> shit that we read that go holy shit this explains things in my brain yeah. am, okay. am I dying and crazy Um, yeah. it's if the exegesis ever,
1: if you have ever had an experience like similar to that that you feel has changed you in some way that book spoke to me on a level that I can't describe you know, yeah. like I felt understood and I only read it like two years ago I felt understood for the first time in a long time. And I think that again I mean my whole UFO thing again. So that was my experience. It's colored my whole life, really. That's when here my troubles began. You know, that's when mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of the shit started to go downhill
0: for me. Did you ever have uh, follow up experiences like I don't know, poltergeist activity or yeah. Yes. Like,
1: yeah. We have that's so interesting that you asked that. I had yes, we have i
0: I love UFO stuff. Um yeah. I I probably like you came up on like the X-Files when I was a kid yes. and um, put it away just as I did like the invisibles and Philip K. Dick put it away in my twenties. It was childish stuff. Then have like rediscovered it at the same time. Everyone else is kind of rediscovering this. See,
1: that's and, the um, like, I never fucking left it alone. And now it was it's cool again. And I was really not cool for a while, but now I'm mm. cool again. So it's all right. Yeah. <laughs> this is the thing. I had, so you had him. like,
0: um, like poltergeist stuff, or do you ever feel oh, like man. abutations yeah, I'll the story. or oh, ghost fuck. sightings,
1: and... Oh, I'll tell you the story, oh fuck. Mm-hmm. So we lived in a completely modern house, um, so again, this is like, four, uh, right, okay, where are we? This is like, two ninety nine so I'm like, nearly 14. My brother's at college, so there's, there's no one else apart from me, mum, dad, dog, so for months and months and months we'd had strange experiences like the classic from poltergeist where we came in multiple times and the cupboard doors would all be open you know the classic and we didn't get the chairs (laughs) we never got that (laughs) we never got chairs being stacked but like we'd come back and like all of our kitchen cupboards would be open nothing strewn about or anything but just the doors Uh, just doors slamming tires being let down cars being like car alarms going off suddenly Mm -hmm. you know just the usual kind of Like, low-level, like, oh, (laughs) it's like we've got a ghost, you know? Like, kind of. And then once I started learning the drums when I was 11, I started having, at the same kind of time, I started having my auditory hallucinations. So I would hear screaming in the reverbs of cymbals and stuff, and that would really freak me out, blah, blah, blah. So that's the general context in which I'm living at the time. My parents are discussing a divorce, so it's the classic Spielbergian Thing <laughs> you know that's going on, and this particular kind of incident. Um, this uh, my my brothers at college. Um, we're watching TV in the living room. It's a Saturday afternoon, I think. And my dad comes in with two digital clocks in his hand, and they're both both stopped and they're blinking at the same time. it's like, he says to me, right, Andy? So does a power surge? Would a power surge affect something battery operated? I'm like, no, no, it wouldn't. That would be an electromagnetic pulse. <laughs> I was like, well, I don't want to be weird, but I just had to turn off the clock radio upstairs and your TV <laughs> upstairs as well, and these two clocks at the same time that I'm holding in my hands. I'm like, okay, that's, that's fucking weird. And at the same time, there's this sort of heavy atmosphere descending. That isn't definitely isn't hindsight, we we remarked on it at the time, that we were like, has you know, is there an eclipse, or is, is there a storm coming in, or something, it, it, just sort of a shadow descended. And we heard our dog whimpering. We couldn't, couldn't see where it was coming from. So we're looking around the living room, my dad's still holding two digital clocks. Uh, like, looking like an old lantern keeper <laughs> with these two fucking time is <laughs> like, uh, trying to search for this dog in this suddenly dark living room even though it's like 3 p.m on a saturday and the dog's under the sofa like panting and retching and there's this stillness in the air and we hear footsteps coming up the path look out the window there's no one there we're not expecting anybody and posts already been we hear the side gate open And again, we've got clear views of these. As soon as we open the curtains, you've got a clear view of every single one of these positions in the house. Side gate opens and closes really rapidly. There's no one there. So the brief pause, and the locked back door slams open, like slams open, like hitting the wall behind it, chipping the plasterboard. Well, that's weird. (laughs) we're fucking breaking it and now I'll tell you at the end anyway we're fucking breaking it this day (laughs) because I'm 14 and my parents are like in their 50s at this point and we're not equipped for this not equipped for it so anyway kitchen door, slam we've got a corridor connecting the kitchen to the living room there's a sort of not a tread but like almost like you can hear the after effect of a tread and the living room door opens as the living room door opens, there's a really another really brief pause. It slams. The dog comes out from underneath the sofa, completely fucking happy. Runs around in a circle. The clock stove beep, 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 all start going off in my dad's hand. And we never have anything happen again. Fuck. <laughs> right? Dude. Like, so it's like the most mundane kind of thing. But I thought because i'm fucking mental i thought i had invented this or embellished it but about six months ago me and my mum and my dad and my wife were out to dinner <laughs> no but got to be longer than that she was still pregnant anyway last year we're out to dinner i was like right can i just confirm that this happened and they went fucking white as a sheet, <laughs> and were like yeah Fuck. We don't live there anymore. We don't need to talk. About it.
0: No, I hope I, uh, so anyway, I, hope I don't it. live there. I hope I don't have your old house. So Fuck. Yeah, but yeah, damn. Well, yeah, wise. so like fourteen years old, like like peak for when poltergeist yeah. stuff happens to kids, mm-hmm. and nothing's ever happened since. He said,
1: wise, no. no."
0: Shit. So I was like, uh,
1: "No, I've never." One felt... last
0: hurrah, then.
1: Yeah, like I said, we had mu- we had like maybe two years actually of build up. And then it was like for me, it was like something just was like, okay, you're on the cusp of thinking I'm real. <laughs> Let's confirm that, because I don't, I don't need. This is the thing that that all ties it together for me. I mean, first of all, UFOs and aliens have nothing to do with each other. I think mm, I understand yeah, that as that's
0: definitely fact. agreed right? on that.
1: Yeah, rad, cool. Because <laughs> some people hate that, but like, of course there are aliens. Of course there are aliens. Like, I mean. Not aliens. Of course, there, are, there is life on other planets. Like, if, if the universe is infinite, it, it, there has to be, right? Hmm. But what we experience phenomenologically as UFOs is a psychological interdimensional phenomena that has nothing to do with that, as far yeah. as I'm, um... yeah, I. Yeah,
0: I think a lot of people don't realize how weird this stuff is, and they think it's basically like Star Trek. It's like a bunch yeah. of aliens got in a spaceship. They've come over here to look at us and do experiments. Then they go back and write up their reports. Mm-hmm. but then you realize that like people see a UFO driving home one night then a week later they see Sasquatch then yes. all the plates in their l- kitchen start stacking yep. themselves then they have abduction experiences then they then they meet men in black and
1: precisely
0: it just keeps mounting up mean, weirder it,
1: in the, the lyrics of the song I say it's an extending finger of something that shouldn't exist it's something hmm. poking out that's <laughs> part of this phenomenological Thing that we call the paranormal. I mean, have you ever been to Loch Ness, out of interest?
3: I haven't actually.
1: But you, um, I've never
3: even been to Scotland. Although, if I did go to Scotland, I would go into Loch Ness.
1: Well, <laughs> <laughs> this is the thing.
3: Now, I will mate with the Loch Ness monster. <laughs> not. I'm going to produce human monster hybrids, like Lovecraft, but I will love them.
1: I mean,
0: it's a submarine.
1: Innsmouth t- people loved each other. They had a thriving community until the FBI showed up and fucking <laughs> took all that gold. Innsmouth is a story of fucking class corruption. <laughs> like Obed Marsh got too fucking greedy and attracted the attention of the FBI. They were fine with their fishy incest. Like, right? They like, weren't
3: they weren't upset with how their life was going. That yeah, I, that does tu- I, yeah. it does touch a little bit on how we've gotten better over time at reading Lovecraft to read out. His racism and read in other potential angles that he definitely didn't intend, but are fertile within the work.
1: For real, you're talking about. I, I I have a hybrid Lovecraft. I have a Lovecraft tattoo where he's turning into a tentacle face. <laughs> yeah.
3: I have also a Lovecraft
0: tattoo with tentacles. right <laughs> I'm gonna get it covered up because he, he's even though you know we've like redefined lovecraft i'm st- he's still the person is still kind of racist so I oh he's
1: insanely him. racist so that's yeah, yeah. it's but, fair um, to not have his face on I you think, i think i totally yeah. agree with that i think that also i mean i know that the the kind of idea the concept of the deathbed recanting and everything is, is sort of such a trope but if you read the compilation of his letters Lord of an invisible world his racial he acknowledges that his previous racial ideology was informed by ignorance. There is a specific letter where he says that. I that does not excuse the fucking plot of Arthur German or half a dozen other fucking things, or you know, the name of his cat or I was about to bring up the cat, but I, it's yeah. such it's so insane the cat. The, the cat thing
3: is so insanely racist that it, it almost it almost loops back around to being just funny. But for it precise. doesn't it comes right up to the verge whilst and you're just like you bought a cat, and you thought I'm gonna name it after something I hate.
1: <laughs> but he loved that cat, so he didn't. Listen he did. <laughs> I think that there's maybe the the idea that of the benevolent racist. I mean, I think Lovecraft always saw himself as a benevolent racist rather than an antagonist to other races. I think it was kind oh, of but they need to be erased for their own good. <laughs> i you're saying it's better. I'm saying I think that that maybe there is a kind of with a cat thing. It was like an it was a genuinely affectionate thing because it's like I can patronize this creature. <laughs> I don't know. Perhaps I'm not sure. But hey, I, anyway, I,
0: you're talking about Loch Ness. I want yeah. to know more about Loch Ness now.
1: Uh, well, Loch Ness is. One of those things that again, the Nessie is part of the entire thing. It's it's it, like you say, you see a UFO, you see Nessie. Ness, I mean, Nessie is mostly a triumph of marketing and newspapers and everything than anything else. But at the same time, the the lock itself has such an aura. I mean, you can you know what you can see why Alistair Crowley chose to build Bullskin House there. Hmm. It, it's got an insane atmosphere because you can feel the depth, it's, it's an interesting kind of sensation when you're on it you can feel the depth underneath, you feel like it's unnaturally deep and whether or not that's because the water is so black or not, I don't know but you, you feel very, it's kind of cool dovetail to Lovecraft, because you, Loch Ness has a weird fit, may, way of making you feel tiny, like absolutely tiny it's vast and it, the water is just like coal black like it doesn't come across on film, weirdly enough. It comes across as more green. But when you're right above it with the sun, you know, coming over you, it's completely black. And that mm. has a really disturbing effect that, that is really highly recommended. <laughs> <laughs> I really, really highly recommend taking it. It's a like of a minutes, going like to the go the
0: mirror, mirror that uh, like John Dee would have used. Precisely. So it's like mirror. And
1: exactly why a fucking monster comes out of it. That's the thing. Monsters come out of a scrying mirror. Monsters come out of the sky. They come out of these empty reflecting pools of stuff, right? It's like they're coming out of the cosmic background radiation of anything that's kind of anything that's just kind of enough to get us into a trance state. We start seeing monsters (laughs) and insane creatures. Well, why is that? I mean, I don't have the answer to that, but that's that's the central thing. That's why I'm so fascinated by the paranormal. It's not what they are but why are we seeing them i guess Mm. and i think like to bring it back (laughs) somehow to music (laughs) that again it's you were absolutely right in your first assessment that on one level the album is about my frustration with trying desperately to seek help for my mental illness but not being able to because of you know the demands of like post-industrial capitalism and britain being (laughs) <laughs> yeah
0: i i got a uh rejection letter from the NA, from the nhs to ever have mental health uh treatment the other day so i'm, I'm very much with you on that one
3: oh that's that's
1: fucking horrible, <laughs> like, man
0: that's we, we, we i'm don't <laughs> yeah so they, they were just like nah we're, we're not in, we're not into it that, um
1: that doesn't make any sense
0: i know yeah they
1: what, have you what have you previously accessed the, the services and they
0: uh, not for a while. I've been out of the out of the country for a while. But um weird. Yeah, they, I yeah, I've I've no idea. I I can't find a time to take off work to
1: well, no, have, find a doctor way the, about it. It's just likes, weird. It? But this is the whole point of the unfortunately the the dark side of I've god I hate saying this <laughs> the dark side of socialized medicine, especially in a country as far as ours, is that ultimately you can just be waiting forever for you know oh, this is yeah. this is Reason why, and they rely on they, they make everything, especially with like things like choose and book. Now, you know, you've got to book your own appointments. You've got, to, I am almost incapable of managing my own finances, I'm almost incapable of managing my own calendar. Like, you know, I have a lot of skills, but unfortunately, my brain is disintegrated in some areas. So I'm really bad at yeah. it. Yeah, it not, it's not an affectation. I'm not fucking far forth from shining who can get up, take his shirt off, and like be a sexy racist or whatever. You know, <laughs> I have like massive cognitive problems (laughs) because of the shit that is happening to my brain and and has been for years. And like you say, you know, you know what I'm talking about. Hmm. But I think people forget the reality of mental illness isn't like writing introspective and maudlin albums. It's, you know, it's doing that in spite of the horror that you were put through trying to access services As well as just dealing with your mental illness on a day-to-day level, you know,
3: and and there's 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 a lot of even the the art making through mental illness. There's there's a strong correlation there for certain people, but it's difficult to express to some people outside of it that that's like it's not so much that it's like that art is somehow an abstract lifeline. It's that giving yourself a task to do keeps your hands and brain busy from all of the other horrible shit you might do to yourself Mm. Um, that it's like you just pour all of that into this one direction and it's part of why it has such a mad tenor whenever I have my own like things that I scrawled out like there's a 200 page poem that I wrote while in the midst of a psychotic break that's unreadable Um, but it yeah, it's just the stuff that both pours out of you as, like, I need to, like, draining a cyst or exercising yeah. a demon. It's like, it, it feels medical, not, not creative in a certain yeah. way. Yes, 100%. I mean, because you, you're like, it, you're getting rid of this thing. It's not, you're not trying to put it into the world. You're trying to take it out of
1: yourself. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that, again, it's something that people listen to in spite of Of everything else I, I don't try and do anything to attract a listener, or I would put it this way i think if if I had my time again, there is certain there is a lot of times when I consider whether or not I would ever bother releasing any of my music because for me, the kind of ego death of having your stuff dissected when it's so profoundly personal, and I understand that that's part of. The dynamic of releasing music, you know, and I, I do get it, but you know, also the kind of <sighs> the anxiety of playing live and things. I don't know. I wonder if <sighs> I wonder if there had been other mechanisms available for me to express myself, <laughs> whether or not I've would have ever released anything. You know, um, it's it's certainly not something I do for the gratification of getting praise or or I, that I aim at any particular demographic. I think that. Really what I find encouraging is when I talk to people like yourself and you know other people who reach out to me about things and I can get maybe one person in a hundred who seems to genuinely understand what I'm doing. And for me, that that's the only, it's the only material satisfaction I receive from putting this stuff out in the world. Like you say.
3: I think for a long time, religion appealed to me because it, seem to match the intensity, uh, the the parts of the Bible that I loved most were like revelations, the book of Daniel, um, things like that, because when you're young and mentally ill and you don't necessarily know that you're mentally ill. And on top of that, I'm, I'm on the spectrum, which causes a kind of like, um, synesthetic bleed through of senses, where it's like, if something gets really intense for, for one sense, it kind of, turns into this other one so if music is loud enough i start seeing weird shit um or can half hear paintings if they're intense enough in my brain um that's
1: right that's i mean because i'm also on the spectrum myself that's how i write that that's yeah exactly how i do it It starts and when
3: you and when you don't know that that's what's happening to you it feels like you're entering into some effervescent spirit world and so the terms of religiosity make a lot of sense because you're like this matches my experience to a degree that normal descriptions of things don't um that at a certain point when you find, because of that, even as I get older, and you'll probably relate to this too, you get older, you find out you're on the spectrum, you find out that you're mentally ill, you find different ways to parse and process that to to live as much of a normal life as you can. But there's still that half of it is a mask game. You learn how to obscure this internal thing that doesn't really go away. You learn how to cope with it, but it's not gone. It's similar to living with PTSD. You don't not have PTSD anymore. You just learn ways to process it. If you're say in public or you have something you need to get done, you're like, well, I can't have a breakdown right now. So I'm going to go through, but you find specifically, even looking at the title um, for your previous record, Christ glad in white phosphorus. It was like, this is going to speak to me. This is something that I can see radiant in my head of like, like yeah. this, Bla- this Blakeian vision of the modern suffering of of well, Christ yeah. or Christ. And
1: yeah. Well, it's interesting that we, we were talking. <laughs> we talked. One of the first things I said was that like, I'm interested in other people's dreams. The Christ Clubbing White Phosphorus was a dream. Um, The t- the title track, the last track that doesn't fit on the record in any way, came to me completely wholesale in a dream. I literally got up oh. on Christmas morning, uh, 2016, I think it was, I guess. Yeah uh 2015 No, 2015 i got up christmas morning 2015 with it completely in my head i couldn't get it out fast enough I, you know when you literally yeah. i could not move my hands fast enough to get it out of my brain i recorded that track in 90 minutes start really? to finish completely completely done because it was finished it was in my head because i had this just this dream of you know uh like kind of like the the end of the uh, prince of darkness the john carpenter movie mm hmm uh, with I haven't
0: the, seen that for uh, years, but oh, yeah, I, I loved it when I saw it.
1: Yeah, great. I mean, tail's off in the middle, but has one of the most powerful kind of coders, I think. And also just the that concept of, like, Satan as a kind of extraterrestrial force captured in a bottle that can project itself through time, <laughs> like, mm. just kind of kicks ass uh you know time and other dimensions but anyway that was that was very much like it was very much at the end of john carpenter's prince of darkness this kind of enrobed like stony figure in white fire obliterating everything it touched um and it was you know it as i said it just completely came into my head wholesale whether it's any good i don't know that's that's not my problem (laughs) you know do what I'm told, you know. <laughs> this is the thing. Uh, you know, the the, the song on the new album uh, uh your life was probably pointless. That's just my intrusive thoughts. All I did is I allowed my intrusive thoughts to talk for ten minutes mm. while I wrote them down. And then I turned it off again. <laughs> so you know, that's that's the thing. I think as much as we've talked so much about the debilitating effect of mental illness, I can't I can't deny that I've exploited it I think for my own creativity, I guess. I think it's yeah, I think I mean, it's two you ways. You
0: be. have to, right? It's Yeah. If you don't get anything out of out of it at all, then it really does win. And that's not to say that like, you know, being mentally ill in some way will make you into a creative genius. Right? No. Like, for everyone like John Nash, there's a thousand people just pushing a shopping trolley right down the street, mumbling to themselves.
1: Exactly. But, and I feel um, tremendous lucky that yeah. I'm I think that it's literally only things that have happened to me th- By the grace of other people, that have meant Mm. that I'm a person. Yeah, and rich,
0: white, and middle class. Yeah,
1: precisely. Precisely. That's all that's been between me and the streets. Yeah, there's weird guilt everywhere.
3: <laughs> there's, there's a lot of... I, I, I bring this up a lot to people because there's also these weird notions of some people don't necessarily have the means to make art. And while it is true that a lot of people don't necessarily have the means to distribute that art or get it published through proper channels and the systematic issues that arise there, the most... Most artists that I know are like wildly working class people or they're like, yeah, no, I don't have health insurance. If if they're like American, uh, they're like, yeah, no, I like I know people who without naming names, who've done work for like Marvel and D.C., no health insurance, Um, like some of them drifted on couches and stuff like that. It's just this like it's obscured a lot how many people that make work that we care about are like literally one missed paycheck away from being evicted um
1: yeah absolutely and then i mean i've been living hand to mouth i haven't had a i haven't been able to hold a regular job for nearly three years now i just haven't physically haven't been able to do it and And so
3: yeah it winds up being uh, there's a lot of labor that gets erased when we do that but to be fair it's also done in the interest of acknowledging that there's a hell of a lot of luck and privilege like we were talking about that it's this uh, the triangle has to balance out at some point you have to have enough of one to balance out the other two or enough of two to balance out the other one but um
1: yeah, like well, you're saying, it's... I mean, really, what it comes back to, it does come back to kind of what I was saying earlier, though, about how I almost feel... I feel strange about trying to sell my material, it, especially nowadays. And this is not to be taken as an indictment of wokeness or anything. This is quite the opposite. But again, who, who the the amount of people who want to hear a, a average-looking white man in his approaching middle age you know, whine about his feelings is diminishing you know that that's it's a diminishing demographic uh, and i think good are uh, good i think if now if, yeah. and a prevailed and fucking amazing i think we've had we've had a time we've had our time it's it's fine I, I need to create because otherwise i will die but you know it's it's kind of weird to be selling it at the moment <laughs> you know, like, yeah no
3: i uh, i me i i think i can speak for gareth as well going through this that we um i think anyone in our bracket of like um, uh, cis-ish, head-ish, white-ish dudes, yeah, uh, with an amount of money. So it, you don't have to fall one hundred percent in that bubble, but because there is some fuzzy area. But even people who are relatively close to that bubble, um, so like, um, a cis gay white dude with a decent amount of money is still going to fall closely within yeah. there, and you know, things like that. Um, that there is this balancing act of learning like, okay, well, there's other art that needs to be made and needs to be put into the world that other people need to make other people other than us, and it's for people other than us. And that's, that's good, that's necessary, because the world is bigger than just us. And that's, that's a beautiful, and wonderful thing. But then the like, well, should I try to make art that speaks to that, and then learning over time, No, that's deeply disingenuous unless it is something that's coming directly from you. But even then, maybe think, is there someone who could do this a little bit better? And eventually arriving at like, you have to make the, at some point, you have to make the art that needs to come out of you. And then just accept without pressure that there are going to be certain people who don't find that necessary for themselves because they need some other thing and experiencing that without malice, which some people are very bad at that last part. People are actually pretty good at up to that. um, You get some fake woke Netflix bullshit of like, I'm a, I'm a cishet white dude. Let's make a show about a queer black girl. And it's like, should you be making that? Like, if you have that story in your head, legitimately tell it, let people decide whether they like it. But do you have that in your head? Um, But yeah, the, the other group of people who feel quite comfortable making the art that they're making, but then get mad that say, like, it's like they're not taking bread off your table. That's bread that should have never been on your table. That's
1: not, like... The thing that's also important to emphasize is there's still fucking things we can do. I mean, I... Oh, yeah. God, oh, this is down the most virtue-signaling crap ever, but <laughs> like, I try and, like, for example, I, I'm the one thing I don't do is I don't do my own artwork. I try and, you know, like, you know, I don't pay like famous people to do my art, i seek out like kind of actual people who are coming from the same area as me and generally that's kind of coming from that kind of queer punk art kind of space and everything i try and at least kind of work of people i feel like are underrepresented i mean it's nice to see that for example because i know that this is something it's kind of weird to bring up because i know that you said like my ep was like my first album like i mean this is my eighth like studio album now um and like the 15th year of the project and then it was kind of restarted halfway through which kind of confuses some people um
3: i am absolutely uh on i'm well i feel bad yeah no (laughs) there it is i'm looking at i'm looking at the list that's a lot longer than i thought it was
1: Was was it's
0: like metal is uh pretty extensive
1: I didn't need to like flex on you, but it, was just, it wasn't. <laughs> no, wrong. I mean,
3: that's fair if I got that shit wrong, and apparently yeah. I got it insanely first, wrong.
1: Oh, yeah. First EP was 2005, first album 2006. Um, yeah, like I start, I released the demo on the same day as Alcest's, like uh, Le Secret, that, that we released on the same label. Like, we released the EPs on the same day. <laughs> like, okay. That's how long I've been doing this shit. <laughs> I am deeply, deeply ashamed <laughs> of how much I didn't know that. But I, I've always been the, kind of under the radar. That's the thing. I've I've worked with so many people who are kind of famous. Like, I've worked with, like, the members of some really humongous bands now. But I've kind of been under the radar. Like I said, I, I prefer... Not even prefer, I just fit more into that outsider mood where <laughs> kind of everything that I've done kind of has had ripples for other people, but not necessarily for me. <laughs> it doesn't. So this is the thing. That's why I didn't correct you initially, because I'm very used to kind of people not really knowing huge, vast amounts about work. Cause you know, there's a lot of it and I've stopped and started a lot of times, So, but the only relevance is that, Basically, it's really nice to see, um, I worked with an artist, uh, I haven't spoken to her in a long time now, but um, an artist called Gentian Osman, um, who uh, was like, absolutely, like a, just a sketchbook artist, like the first time we spoke, and now she's doing stuff in galleries, and it's kind of really nice to see the first time that she got printed on something was on one of my records, and like, that feels really cool. And not in a kind of, I am saving somebody, (laughs) it's like, you know, I can use the the very tiny amount of influence and power that I have at least to pay someone some money who needs it, you know, and not Mark fucking Riddick or something. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Lewandowski. I don't don't need a man with a beard to paint a big demon lord. I would like somebody who needs some money (laughs) to paint me something like specific. You know? And
3: no shade to the beard dude to paint the Demon Lords. We like your work. We no do. one's mad that you're getting work. Just, you know, other people deserve <laughs> yes. to get their work. I love me some Demon Lords. But also, your, uh, the cover for the upcoming record is um, in, intensely moving to me. Um, very, very specifically because I uh, have an on-again, off-again. I've been working for about a decade on like a set of... Um, short fiction and poetry and stuff that likely will never see the light of day. It's, it's one of those projects where, like, you make it for you and maybe you show it to one person, but you don't even send it to a publisher. About, um, called Songs from the Hospital, about uh, how uh, you know you get institutionalized. Mine was an outpatient program, thankfully, but uh, yeah, so th- it spoke to me. The art yeah, spoke I mean, to me. I was like, like oh, yeah. Yep, mm hmm, mm-hmm, yep, actually... he gets it, mm hmm. <laughs>
1: Yeah, see, that wasn't a commission. I just saw, I saw her uh, post that, and just was like, "Oh Christ, I have to, this is it? This, this I can't release this album unless this is the cover." That's what I said to the label. <laughs> I was just like, it, it, "It's not going to happen. I'm afraid unless this happens. So, let's make that happen." Um, so, I yeah, I I think that really ties the room together, man. <laughs> it, really, it really ties. I think that the 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 kind of color palette really, almost more than anything, is yeah. is that's the feel of this, this yeah. album. That's it's sort kind of,
0: of gross de-
1: pink. Fleshy, desaturated, like skin bag kind of thing. <laughs> um, I am going to have to run.
0: Um, oh, yeah, I was just about to say, um, we're kind of coming up to the time. So, do you want to. In- Which
1: would be a good time to you know, pop in that track.
0: <laughs> yeah. but, uh, so, this is a song off Gentle Illness. Um, it took me way, way too long to realize Gentle Illness. Oh, like mental illness. I get it now. <laughs> yeah
3: i'm don't not smart. i only just noticed that now because you said it out loud come on yeah. I,
1: I that's an accent thing probably
3: i've um, i've read too many like literary books and sometimes it makes you smart but other times it makes you dumb so i'm sitting there trying to like oh that has such oh, a poetic kind of and i just missed the pun like
1: the last podcast on the left thing of like any paranormal book you read makes you dumb at reading it <laughs> yeah I agree with that. great well um yeah brilliant i'll i'll uh i'll let you Oh, you've introduced the track. Um
0: but, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh yeah. T- yeah, tell us a little about it and uh, then we'll we'll hit the play button. Okay.
1: Yeah, so this is the title track from Gentleness and uh it kind of brings together, I think, some of the musical motifs from the rest of the record uh quite nicely. There's there's like lots of weirdness. Um so yeah. <laughs> it's just been really good to talk to you. It's been really, really good. I hope you have me on again.
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, come any time. I-, I wanna I'm kind of Contemplated doing another podcast where I just talk one UFOs all day, but um, yes.
3: yo, I'll I'll join you on that one.
0: <laughs> but there would <laughs> be the podcast, yeah, Ooh,
3: that'd I, be fine. Done. We yeah, could, I could talk about the actual occult stuff that I do that yeah. I
1: normally am quieter about because, yeah, you, I, I, you know,
0: I, I don't even know about that. I've been working I, with you for a year,
1: would really be down to like do a regular podcast about <laughs> like that. I've been looking to do one, so.
0: okay, let's g- get on this, shit, but um,
1: oh, right, I okay. have
0: a. Yeah, you gotta run. So, um, yeah, here's Gentle